0: You are Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Matt Moore, joined tonight by Adam Mares as we go over a pretty bummer regular season forgettable game versus the Dallas Mavericks as the Nuggets lose 116-103. to 103. We'll break down the game, talk about what's wrong with Jamal Murray. And give a look at the roster with, with, let's see, just like two weeks before the trade deadline. uh, What changes need to be made? How do you optimize this team, et cetera, et cetera. I want to tell you that today's program is brought to you by Locker Room. We are starting a new program on the Lockdown Network, a new partnership with Locker Room. It's a great live audio-only sports talk platform. It's free to download, free to use. People are having a a blast on it. We're setting up our account in the coming days, and we're going to be doing Locker Rooms with y'all. So you get to come in. To a room on an app and tell Adam how much you love and appreciate his commentary and say, Matt, why do you have to be so goddamn negative all the <laughs> time? Make sure to be on the lookout Jesus. at Locked on Nuggets as we get kickstarted with the partnership with Locker Room. And you can share your takes, your spiciest takes with us on Locker Room.
1: Mm.
0: All right, Adam. So Denver Nuggets, I, you know, it's funny. You didn't think that last night was all that good of a win on this program uh, with my terrible voice that is going yeah. so very sick, uh, I talked about how actually I thought it was a really, it was a sneaky good win. Because when I went back and watched it, I was like, you know, Memphis played pretty well, except for the turnovers. And Denver still managed to find a, a way to win. Memphis is a weird team where I don't think that they're a very good team, but they're capable of playing really well. And that's like the best way I can find to describe it.
1: I think the Maverick, it was a good win. I think it was a good win. Because I I because I'm with you. Memphis is one of those teams that makes every game close and they win games where you're like, man, I didn't How did they win that? So I think it was a good win.
0: The Mavericks are a pretty good team that has just continuously, basically, I always think of these teams as there's like a deck, a wooden deck, and there's those planks and they keep stepping on one side and the wooden deck plank flies up in the air and hits them in the face. That's been the Mavericks basically all season, but they're finally starting to step past those and step more carefully and navigate their way across the wooden planks. And they did so tonight. Um, I, I can boil this down this game pretty, pretty simply. And yep. I don't mean to be reductive, but this really is in the course of 72 games, you're going to get a few that you can just be like, this is what happened. Here's what happened. The Mavericks shot the lights out with Chris Aspor, Zingis, and Josh Richardson. They shot at, at abnormally high percentage and they shot very difficult shots. Like KP just absolutely launched a early shot clock three in the face of Nicole Jokic, who was there to contest. Sometimes that's what happens. Jamal Murray had another terrible game, which we're going to have to talk about in the second segment. Sure. The Nuggets were on the back-to-back. After they had a COVID COVID testing uh, malfunction earlier this morning, there was a problem with the test, so they had to come back in. Their entire schedule was off. They had no rhythm. They had no energy. They had no legs. There was no crowd there to boost them up. They did not play well, and they lost to a pretty good team. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think that last point is probably – so I just said this over on DNVR, and I'm going to sort of contradict it. I said that I don't like Malone bringing it up, the the whole like we got in at two then we had to be back at eight for testing i don't like him bringing it up but we can and i think it's absolutely fair you we've all done this professionally matt where you've had to travel somewhere and you got in late but you had an early meeting and you're like well i gotta go to bed but i gotta wake up in four hours and and then from i don't know how you are but for me there's a panic I have when I know I'm not going to get the right amount of sleep to where I don't fall asleep for an extra, like 30 minutes. It takes me an extra 30 minutes to fall asleep. Cause I'm panicked yeah. that I have to wake up in three hours. So I have to think the nuggets had a little bit of that going on too, getting in it too, knowing you had to be at the arena at eight for testing.
0: Yeah. And I don't mind Malone bringing it up. And there, here's actually the reason why I don't mind Malone, Malone bringing it up. If he doesn't bring it up and then it comes out, we're all going to be annoyed. Like Mike Singer is going to be, going to be for like pretty pissed as like, could, could have let me know would, yeah. would have been good to put in the story. Like there, I want that transparency. And Malone made it clear. He's like, look, this is stuff that happens. We're not singing right. the blues. But the other thing I think is I, there was a story over the weekend about the frustrations that the warriors have with the, with the testing schedule. The testing is just absolutely, it's really wearing on everyone. It's disruptive of the schedule. You're already playing so much. And so you're always doing, doing basketball things in these scant hours that you have free to have to then drive to the arena do the test come back then go back again it's disruptive players are creatures of rhythm like they I wonder if there's lives... a way they could get through this testing portion man if only there was like a like if they could get something to where they didn't have to worry if they had like about... a vaccine or something yeah, like something, like something they could take in their bodies that would make sure that <laughs> COVID wasn't as much of a I'm health just concern. Saying, like,
1: I'm, I'm just saying, this is my take. I know it's unpopular. I actually have had people reach out to me saying they disagree, but I think that's equally as hypocritical of a f- fans of this sport to tune in and expect these guys to get tested three times a day while traveling all over the country and exposing themselves to different cities than it is just to say, we produced, we today in, in the United States, 3.1 million vaccines were distributed. There's one. How, how many? A thousand that need to go for the NBA players to not have to do the less than that for the coaches. I just, I, I think we overthink th- some of these things sometimes in terms of like the eth-
0: ethical nature of it. I, well, I'll tell you what. Like now, it's not even. We're moving past that part. Like, seventy-one percent of all people over the age of seventy have been vaccinated. Adam, like oh, everybody's. Made was, it, there's been a chance for most people. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like that was a week ago. Like that was two weeks ago. Like right. at this point at this point the concern really is that the players are like i don't know man right there's a lot of that yeah maybe this will make but maybe the the testing thing will be the the carrot that we need to get people vaccinated which there's a lot of complex issues with that and i'm trying to be sensitive to those even though like the science forward person that i am is just like what are we doing like for the love of god get the shot right i'm trying to be understanding i'm trying to be Understanding of multiple views, but this is like an ongoing thing that the testing is really a problem. This is all to say that, like, look, the Nuggets play badly. There's yeah. no like, this is not like a oh it was an MPJ and, and Millsap together or it was this or this other thing or the bench or I'm like, look, they didn't play well because they were tired. This season sucks and yeah. there's gonna be games where you're the team, like sometimes you get lucky and it's the other team that sucks. Totally, yeah, a lot of times. And then those games you talk
1: about how the teams turn the corner and this or that. So I don't think there's a whole lot to, I mean, we're gonna talk about some of the micro details and micro trends, I'm sure as the show goes on. But when we just talk about this loss, it's actually not that surprising at all, um, you know, give it, given the, the circumstances they were in. Denver had a nice five-game winning streak going. It got snapped by a team that's pretty much their equal. I think Denver's a little better than Dallas, but a little bit their equal, who was in more favorable circumstances, and that's how it goes.
0: Denver uh, does lose the head-to-head tiebreaker to Dallas 2-1, Ooh. so if they wind up tied, Dallas is going to get the edge. That is, like, the most relevant outcome, I think. Only
1: separated by one loss, too. I mean, that's they're really close.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, this loss could wind up deciding the difference between the five and the six, uh, Mm -hmm. and that's important, or the four and the five, or the four and the six, or whatever. So, this loss does matter. It's just the context of, like, what could you have done to avoid this loss? It's like, well, yeah, if the Nuggets had played this game with a playoff-type atmosphere and intensity, then, yeah, like, then you can kind of diagnose it a little bit better. But that wasn't what happened, because, one, Monte Morris was out. Right. You could have started P.J. Dozier. I talked to Ryan Blackburn on the phone for a little bit after the game, and he was, he was advocating that, that P.J. Dozier should have started, and I think that that's a fair idea. Yeah. Um, There are other things that, that could have happened that you could have done with the rotations. I will say this. This is a weird thing. Um, I don't know why Denver doesn't execute scheme versus Dallas specifically very well. Like, for whatever reason, like, Luca struggles when they put two on ball. They don't do it a lot. They just, for whatever reason, they wind up being like, they'll play a lot, even when they, they're playing at quote, at the level, it's like a step behind and it's just kind of like, hey, I'm here. It, it's been a, a consistent problem versus Dallas over the last two seasons that they've had this issue. Like there are, There's lots of times when they don't choose to necessarily really like, I'm super engaged at the level and containing. But for whatever reason, with Dallas, they do a lot more than they do with others. and And I can't really think of a reason why um and it leads to a lot of problems uh yeah. also Vlaco Chanchar should never ever 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 be on the floor with Luka Doncic at the same time ever 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 <laughs> ever again they switched a rotate they switched once like it was Dozier and Vlaco and they just decided to switch I don't know who called for it yeah that was weird but I was like that's not good and then there was another one where in transition um Luka's on the outside and he gets a screen and both chanchar and naji think that they are like the other one's supposed to be guarding the screener and like zeke's like touching his the other guy that he's guarding and vlaka is still kind of like looking at him and then you see jamal murray like someone has to guard luka Doncic right in the corner like he's pointing excitedly and then he scores and jamal's like what happened um it was one of those nights i think for never can we, on the other side of
1: the break, can we talk about the starting lineup tonight and just whether or not you you feel like it's time for Denver to sort of evolve away from that traditional lineup? Because the two things that we've seen over this winning streak have been another point guard <laughs> alongside uh, Jamal and Michael Porter at Power Forward. You did neither of those things tonight, and right. it didn't go well. But I don't know if that's – again, we don't want to read into too many things when there's so many other more obvious factors like lack of rest. But I do wonder if it's something there.
0: Yeah. I apologize for the cough there. I'm very sick, but we'll do that. We'll talk about that after the break. Uh, first, I want to tell you, however, about Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, March Madness, the Buffs, theoretically, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. They got updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and you can get your 50% welcome bonus. That's a huge bonus using the promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Back here on Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for making this part of your day. Matt Moore next to Adam Mares. We're covering everything you need to know about the Nuggets, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news that you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Follow the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. All right, Adam, you wanted to talk a little bit about the starting lineup. I'm going to let you set the stage. Well, so tonight, you know, you kind of wonder,
1: okay, Monte Morris is out. Let's see how the Nuggets adjust their lineup especially at Malone after the game called it a, that Dallas plays traditional. I don't think they play traditional at all. They play and have for many years under Rick Carlisle played a five out style of basketball. So I thought maybe they would try to keep Michael Porter at the four and play a little bit small, maybe bring in Compazzo or Dozier to fill in. in that's that two guard spot. They did not do that. They went traditionally. And again, I don't, I would never read too much into this one sample size. But it is a game in which Jamal Murray really struggled. Michael Porter picked up very early foul trouble trying to guard, you know, out on the perimeter. I just wonder if it's time for Denver just to commit. If my and, and really, this question comes down to, do you feel that Michael Porter is good enough? And it is the top point in time when Denver says, we need to do what is best for Michael Porter because his best is our best. Or if it's more,
0: this is who's available to us. So we're just going to play this traditional lineup. So he talked about a little bit after the game and he did, he did say that basically that MBG or that Millsap started because Monte was out. Like that, that's why, um, that's why he was out. And so I understand from that perspective of, I don't think that this was like a long-term kind of thing. I don't think it was. um, I don't think this was indicative of like where he's still at. I get the ideas. I don't, I don't like any of the alternatives tonight. I don't like starting Faku. That's a, that's a hard no for me. Um, I don't like starting. I wouldn't have liked of starting Dozier um, because I think Dozier's still working his way back. I don't mind the idea, but I think that like in that, in that situation, I don't mind giving difference and being like, all right, let's make it work with Millsap. I also think Maxi Cleaver versus PJ versus Millsap is not that bad of a matchup, but the, this is one of the key problems I think is there is an unwilling, and this happens a lot with older players. There is an unwillingness to recognize uh, from by the team. I think Millsap knows. I've watched Millsap's reaction on these plays.
1: I kind of think so, too. Let's see, let's see where, you're, where you're going.
0: Millsap knows he can't make – he can't tag the role man and get back to the corner. He mm-hmm. just – he can't do it. He cannot do it. And he's frustrated that he can't get there in time. Do you think that this is – so LeBron
1: James the other day said – First half of the season I'm in second gear, then All Star Break, I'm in third, and I don't remember what his full quote. Then playoffs, I'm in fourth or whatever. Do you feel like this is the thing with Millsap where he's like, I can't do that now, but if I give a hundred percent, I can do it? Or do you just think it's hey man?
0: Father. No, I don't think it's over. I always say that the age robs you of consistency, not peak. So hmm. I think that if the Nuggets are shorthanded or in a tough spot and don't have any other matchup and they need one game from Paul Millsap versus the Clippers to be huge in combat. Marcus Morris, I think he can do it. Mm. I think he can win that matchup. I think he can still have a game. I think he can still have a night. I think he still can have stretches. I think that consistently. And I will also say this the only problem I think is that the nuggets style. And I I talked about this early in the season. I noticed that that teams were forcing them to one side a lot more. If you're gonna play pick and roll, No longer are teams trying to get to the middle versus the nuggets. They're trying to drag the nuggets and overload them on one side and then reverse it to the other, make that reverse, that, that reversal to the corner. And there's so many guys that can do it now. Um, The Nuggets scheme specifically with two on ball means that you have to help out more and you have to recover harder and Melstaff's in that spot a lot with how many stretch fours there are in the league right now. Mm. And I think that that's like a real challenge for him specifically. But look especially difficult
1: Jamich- against the Luka Doncic who's six eight. Like it, mm-hmm. if you can put usually with a with your guards, if you can put enough height around the ball, then you have an extra half second of time. But Lucas mm. just taller than everyone on the roster.
0: Yeah, and I think look, I think Jamaica Green struggled tonight. Jamichael had a terrible closeout on on Maxi Kleber, where Kleber took a two dribble pull up jumper wide open and nailed it. Um but here's my point. Let me. But here's here's the thing I'm getting at. Jokic is good enough that you're gonna tailor
1: rotations to him. You're never gonna be like, well, the other team's doing this, so we got to. No, it's like Jokic is out there. We're gonna make it. Murray is a part of this team and good enough now that you're like, he's playing. How do we make him better? I wonder if Michael Porter is now at the point, And part of this is Michael Porter is here, but also the guys, you know, the Millsaps and stuff are a little bit lower. That I wonder if you say. We need those three guys to be in as good of a position as they can be. And the rest, the other spots, that's where we have to just those spots matter less. So I wonder if there's a bit of a why don't we just say F it? I don't care what Dallas is doing. Michael Porter's better at four. Let's put him there and the other parts we'll worry about later.
0: I get it. I'm a little I'm a little hesitant on it, I think, because. I just feel like you're going to get yourself in a, in a hole of trying to, to make everything so comfortable for a young player mm. and whether that makes you better overall. Like I think a lot of this Good is, point. and one, this is also like, this is a separate tension point that I think we really got to see in the playoffs because yeah, it's true. I'm of two, I'm of two minds on this. Okay there is one line of thought which says that we're still in the modern NBA and we're still in that Warriors era and everybody that goes small, that's how they win is they go smaller and smaller as the playoffs go on and that's how they win. And then there's kind of like another line of thought, which I'm a little bit partial to, which is saying like, look, teams are starting to adjust to that and we're seeing bigger players play and there's a lot of athletes on the floor at all times. And for the Nuggets in particular, I would mind going small less if Denver's smalls were like six six. Yeah, yeah. But going small repeatedly and look, Porter's 6'10. Like he's you're not going small there, right? So like Barton at three and Porter at four, that's fine. And I'm good with keeping Porter at, at small forward. I think that that's and Dozier's at, long too. If he's at power team. forward, rather. Yeah. And so like I'm good with keeping him there. Um, I think this really was like a one-off. PJ still coming back from injury. Um, Maxi Cleaver is a theoretically okay matchup. Paul's a really smart defender. Dallas does a lot of stuff off ball it didn't work out and it's a sign that I think Paul, that Paul's in a different place and that's tough, but I'm also not going to be like, this is the big thing I just, I, as much as Malone was like, well, they do this. I think a lot of this tonight was like, you just want to get through this game. I, I like, actually think that's all there's. It. it's fun through. to talk about, but I honestly think
1: this was one, like yeah. if PJ Dozier had been back for three weeks and if Denver had a game off between these, like maybe they do sit there and look at the things and say this or that, but I think tonight they're just like, run out a lineup that we've gone to before and we're just going to do, we're going to try to do things the way we know how didn't work out.
0: Yeah. And, and I do like, I do think that this game is proof that like you can't play MPJ and Porter together or MPJ and Millsap together. You just can't, you can't yeah, do I it. Wonder, I wonder. And you know, maybe I'm wrong and you can't play just super small with this team. Um, I'm skeptical, but I'm open to, be- I'm not so set on this that I'm like, I'm, I'm not wrong. I'm open to be like, I don't think so, but I'm open to the possibility of being wrong on this. Let's, I do want to talk to you. This stretch from Jamal, which is just two games. Just, it's two games. Mm-hmm. This is worse than the start of the season. I
1: mean, there are two really bad games. Yeah, for sure. Um. Were you going after the break? I didn't know if you were thrown to a break there. If you want no, to, no. Let's talk about now. Let's talk about. Okay. Now. Yeah, he's 0 of two tonight. Um. Actually, I'm sorry. Looking at the, I'm looking at the first quarter only. Let me let me refresh here. But it was. I mean, he had two points in the first half. Looked out of it. Looked miserable on the court. Looked very unhappy. He finishes with ten points, five assists, and four of thirteen shooting. One of five from three. He he just looks out of it, and it wasn't even. Here's the thing with Jamal, and it, maybe it really is just fatigue and the circumstance or whatever. I thought last game he didn't shoot the ball well, but he tried tonight. There were so many plays where I just looked like he didn't want to be out there. And I, I don't, I haven't seen that from Jamal a whole lot. He looked a little unmotivated and just overly frustrated. He looked like he was in an emotional funk. One of the ones we used to see from
0: Jokic in years past. Oh, that's an interesting comparison. Um, I wonder if. So like Joker has 26 on 10 of 20, nine rebounds, 11 assists, three turn, only three turnovers like a standard Nicole at night. Right. Almost exactly his season. Averages. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Uh Only one of five from three, but it's fine. Um. I wonder if the COVID stuff is even more disruptive for Jamal because Joker doesn't take a nap, right? Right. Like he's, right. he's told us that he doesn't take a nap and he's, he's very unlike a lot of players, I think in I don't necessarily think that he's, like, really super focused on, like, I've got to keep being my rhythm. i got to keep all these things. Like, everything has – I don't think that he has a lot of anal retentive tendencies. I don't think he has a lot of, like, very precise tendencies. And that's, like, a benefit, right? Mm -hmm. I think Jamal is very much, like, a – everything's got to be – like, he's, like, your traditional hooper that's, like – everything's you know i right. do this and then i do this and then i go home and then i take a nap and then i get up and i go to the arena and i do two Shooters hours tend to be this way i think hey mm-hmm.
1: allen was like the ultimate one of this
0: yep it's a little bit it's a, like there's a weird like you have to kind of squint your eyes out it. there's a kind of a comparison to pitchers in terms of like how yeah. no i don't know they are yeah like that's that's like a little bit of it um and so i think that this is the, the that may be part of this is like i think this i think the schedule is just a nightmare
1: and i'm shoehorning this again where i talk about michael malone and how i don't like him even admitting it before the game he was asked about Jokic and playing all these games and second most minutes in the nba and he had a funny comment about how like he's serbian or something of the nature of like he's serbian he doesn't want to be perceived as soft or something like he takes pride in the fact that he plays every game and cut through the whole like um you know machismo aspect of that whatever but i do think there is just something too like It's not that these things aren't true. It's not that they don't matter. It's just that anytime you admit them, they enter your mind one way or another. And I just, I do wonder if like that's happened a little bit with this. I know, I really think that's happened with Murray early in the season and maybe it happened with the Nuggets tonight because they definitely played like
0: a team that had a lot of excuses and rightfully so. I think in the playoffs there was so much adrenaline. Like the playoffs, it makes sense that Jamal was great in the playoffs, right? Like he's in a bubble. There's no travel. There's no disruption. He's got the same. He's got everything the same day after day after day after day after day after day. Yeah. So he's able to stay in the same rhythm. He's able to stay and and he's playing on like a supreme amount of adrenaline. It's the playoffs, but there's also everything going on in the country. Um, this is like relates a little bit more broadly, but everyone I know in my life has been has gone through some variant of depression since January. This has been like a brutal time. Uh, And I read some, some stories on it that were talking about how basically there's like a collective, we're all coming down from the adrenaline of surviving the pandemic. Like Mm. we could see the end. Yeah. And there's like this little letdown coming. I think that
1: that's interesting,
0: (laughs) but you're not there yet. Yeah. And like for Jamal, it's the same thing. It's like, Hey, the playoffs are in two months, you know, two months from now you get to play actual basketball and you'll Have a regular schedule where you play every other day, but there won't be back to backs, and you won't, you know, and theoretically, there won't be as much testing, and everything will be much more normal, and there'll be fans, right? Right, but like getting through that right now, I think is tough. Um, Jackie McMullen on Bill Simmons' podcast this week, she's got a big feature coming out next week about Jamal, they're buddies, as you know, and that's right. Um, Jackie Hall of Famer, Jackie McMullen, I might add. Jackie said that she thought that one of the reasons that Jamal might struggle is after the break is because he doesn't do well with time off that. He's a guy that wants to be in the gym. Like he wants to be in there working. And like, I wonder if like that's part of the mechanism for it too, but it could just be like, he had two bad games. Don't come out next game and pop off for 30, but
1: we'll find out.
0: All right, let's take a break. When we come back, I want to talk to you about some, Roster questions. Uh, I wanted to that relate time. to you. I wanted to relate to you something that I'd heard that I have not talked to you about before. So, um, I want to talk to you about that <clears throat> as well what as tease. I can't wait now. I'm I'm good. I'm good at teases, my friends. Uh, about some other things, we'll do all that when we come back after the break. But first, you know, we've been telling you about Bill Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for a while now. Bill Bar is the amazing, low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Amazing tasting protein bar with hundred percent chocolate on all bars. Now it's time to find out which built bar is the best it's built bar madness. My friend, are you ready for this exciting promotion that built bar is running where they're actually pitting their bars against one another? No. Okay. So here in the enticing eight, I got one for you. This is the latest one, the churro puff or the cookies and cream bar. I Which have not you know. had the what is this churro puff? How have I not had this one? It's one of the puffs. It's one of the new puffs. Oh, this is a Travis. Oh, are we getting a new package? All right, I got to order some of these.
1: That sounds great. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So I've had I've had churro, the churro puff. Oh, I'm real. You had this?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know are you how good.
1: Priority in the locked on uh, pyramid that I am here. What's going on? Here?
0: I'm I'm one A in the lock. Oh part.
1: come on! I'm five C. Um, come
0: on. I love cookies and cream. The churro puff's better. It's just it's it's able to space the floor better. They've got it's got better guards. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go ahead and vote for the churro puff, without even trying it. I know it's better. It's it's got to be up there. All right, my so we're going code. we're going with the churro puff. Go to billbar.com or go to at bill underscore bar on Twitter. Remember to use promo code LOCKED15, LOCKED fifteen L O C K E D one five. To get 15% off your next order that's locked 15 to get 15% off your next order at beltbar.com and check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar final segment here on locked On nuggets after a uh, lost to the Denver to the Dallas Mavericks on Saturday night When you need fantasy basketball advice, it's important that you have a reliable source. More people trust Josh Lloyd, host of Locked On Fantasy Basketball than any other fantasy basketball podcast. Subscribe to the number one fantasy basketball podcast, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, wherever you get podcasts. Adam Harris? So there was was a report on Friday. I didn't talk about this last night. There was a report on Friday from Tim McMahon, uh, who is ESPN's reporter. He basically covers the western conference like that's his job is like he covers most of the west he makes stops he's based out of dallas he covers dallas he covers houston he's got close connections in utah um he covers the non-california western conference teams that's what mcmahon does and he mentioned on a list of potential suitors for pj tucker or for pj tucker the denver nuggets you and i talked about this one before um I was surprised to hear that I thought this was like, oh, this is just coming from Houston side. Like there's a little bit of smoke. Like it's not Mm. close to being done and it probably won't happen is what I'm told about every deal that's ever been proposed to Denver is probably won't happen. (laughs) But like it is actually suggested. So I have two names for you. Let's say you had to choose between one. These are not perfect choices, but that's how the deadline goes. Oh, it's how
1: it is, man. That's why I keep telling people there's not, they think there's a big
0: fix out there. Like, I don't don't know, man. These are imperfect options. Yeah. If the Nuggets were to trade for one, one of these two players, and one is much more likely than the other to join Denver, um, which one would you rather, P.J. Tucker or J.J. Reddick? Oh, P.J. Tucker, no
1: question. Denver has so many guards. Like, what are you going to do with it? I, and I get maybe you're trading two guards for one J.J. Redick, but mm-hmm. I don't think – I think – I actually think J.J. Reddick maybe augments your problems – and maybe doesn't even actually fix your fix you know what it is that you need you know you're bringing him in here to shoot I don't think he's had a very good shooting year this year although of course we know he can shoot but he's also up in age but he's small I just Denver's not struggling to score the basketball they're not even really struggling to shoot the basketball so um, to me this is easily a PJ Tucker he at least addresses in theory one of the problems you have which is defense in the forward spot
0: okay I'm on the other side um, I actually think that Reddick's a better option. Um, what you do is you slide Reddick in, and he takes sadly for all those on the wagon. He takes Faku Compos's minutes, and People what he are does not is so he...
1: much on the Faku wagon. I don't think right now they Faku's stock is pretty low.
0: But like you know, I think he takes Compos's minutes, and he provides a quality shooter that you can run with Monte Morris. You run Zeke Naji, Zeke Naji, J.J. Reddick, Monte Morris, and then. Jemichael Green, a screener, right? Those, those, th- that four together, I think could, could, could pretty well cook. I just think PJ Tucker's a pretty poor fit. I don't see what Tucker's going to be able to do. It's like, where has he been? Where has he been most successful as a small ball five option? Well, you right, have yeah. Jermichael Green and Paul Millsap, and even if you think Millsap is no longer capable of, of being what you need. Like don't get me wrong, I think that they need another center, but I don't think PJ Tucker. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> That's
1: true. I mean, PJ Tucker is no more a center than yeah Milsev would be or whatever. I, I'm with you about PJ Tucker, so I don't get excited about him either. But I think, um, you know, it's to me, it's it's JJ Reddick just really doesn't do anything for you. So I'm I think we agree about PJ Tucker. We just disagree about about JJ Reddick. Um, what would you be willing to give for Lonzo Ball? See, this is this is a funny one because Lonzo has been like my guy, but I, I've told you that, and it's hard for me to explain this. He also doesn't fill the need that Denver has right now. He is like Barton, PJ Tucker, and Monte Morris rolled into one, which is great. You could consolidate those guys. The problem is you have those guys, and I don't know if you're just sending back. Like if you could trade Compasso and Barton, then yeah, like that's great. You consolidated two guys into one who's better, um, but I, I just, I don't see that happening, but what would I be give, willing to give up? I mean, any combination of Gary Harris and Will Barton and Bol Bol and RJ Hampton and Compazzo. I don't know if any of that combination of things gets it done, but any of the a combination of those guys, I would give up. What draft equity are you willing to give up? Uh, one pick. I mean, I don't think you can go far. And and here's the thing. If you're giving up a pick, you better feel really confident that he would enjoy being in Denver, which I don't know how you would feel confident for that. I don't know the circumstance. That's why I don't want to say for certain. If you knew that he was like, Hey man, I like that style. I don't really care about the market or the city or any of those things. I like that style of basketball and I'll play then to me. Yeah. This is a no brainer. You would give up the pick. Cause I, like, I I've said this before, I would go all in with Denver's big three plus Lonzo. It's just that you got to have guys that want to be there, and I, 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 don't know, but I would bet money he doesn't want to be here. So why would you? Why would you do that?
0: Uh, here's a name that is sure to rattle the heavens and cause uh, all of Nuggets Twitter to go to just quake. Uh, what do you think about Langston Galloway? I don't. Okay, I need you to come up with a thought about Langston Galloway. I don't have one. You can fill me in. I mean, part of this
1: is I just don't know his game to be honest with you well enough. Um, so there, there's a name there's, that's on my on my. Uh... Radar. There's been
0: some there's been some talk that Galloway might be interested in the buyout. And like he's not really part of the rotation. He's averaging like 11 minutes per game for them yeah. um, this season. And and like the Suns are just they, they're pretty stacked, right? They have got a pretty healthy rotation. Um, I kind of like the option is just like you bring in a wing, like you just you bring in a wing that's actually got like a, he's is he a wing though? He's a guard. He's a guard. T- is he six one? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> he's smaller than Monte Morris.
0: Doesn't feel, but he, he but he's taller. And maybe than that's Paco.
1: like a good reach or something. I don't know. Yeah, he's got a good
0: reach. He's taller than Faco Composo. That's <laughs> a, I think that's a plus. Um. Trying to find uh, the wings right now are just – it's really tough. I think it's, it's- – Yeah, th- I keep telling people
1: this because I, I see people send names. Somebody today sent me OG Ananobi who can't be traded. He's got the poison pill. They just signed him to his extension so he can't be traded. Yep. Um, You know, Al Farouk Aminu, I, I saw somebody throw out. and Like that's to me is the type of player you might be able to get. And that's yeah. to say that's not that exciting. I don't know that Al Farouk Aminu is going to – I do think a guy like Aminu might allow you to play Porter – properly like the way that's best going to utilize him but he's also not good so it allows you to do something it's just not a good option there I think Denver's in a tight I honestly think Denver's in a tight spot with how how they can add to their rotation you probably need to lose a guard and maybe one of your forward. you know maybe I don't think they want to part ways with Jermichael Green I don't see it happening but but I'm saying who do you cut out of the rotation because if you move Porter then either Millsap or uh or uh, green is probably getting cut out of the rotation or being forced to play only backup center minutes, which is like 10 minutes.
0: Yeah, that's tough. That, that I will agree is tough. I think you can probably stagger in J Mike a little bit more, play Millsap at backup center and be okay. I think I actually kind of like be a little bit interested in, in if you were to go with Millsap and J- and J Mike together off the bench, if you couldn't try just switching everything. I actually kind of yeah. like to see this. Oh, I like, like I, that. Yeah. I like this, especially if you play Barton Can't a little bit with group. Like that might, that might actually work. Mm. Um, there's a growing sense amongst the people I've talked to in the league that this trade deadline is not going to be much to write home about. <laughs> Somebody asked me what I expected. And I said, a Cata Bates, Diop-esque trade. Yeah. I, I, mean, just, I really um, do. There's not. Something that's that's here's the thing. Last year, we were talking about how they needed one more guy, yeah. Um, and they still kind of do, but the problem was like their guy plays in Milwaukee now, Drew. That that really, yeah, that that's just the the more I get, I think that in time we'll learn that they made a they, they were right there for Drew, and that Milwaukee was basically just like, how many picks do you want, right? And that was it. Yeah. Um, the going market, I like I've heard that I've heard the market for some players. Like there's three draft picks being asked for players that are not all stars. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: and you're just like, this is not a th- what like are we
1: doing. Yeah, what are we doing? Yeah.
0: Um, and so I just don't I don't know how much you're gonna see it. Um, Jackie talked about this as well, and it, it's something I've heard too. Um, teams are having a hard time applying pressure to teams that are at the bottom because those teams are like, yeah, but we're only two games out of the tenth. Oh, interesting. Adam Silver
1: might overthought himself here instead of. You want to trade deadline. That's everybody's favorite day of the year right outside of the draft, a draft and trade deadline. And he might have overthought himself now.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Cause like if you look at it, um, like the Pelicans, right? The Pelicans are five games back in a lost column from the 10 seed. Hmm. That's a lot, but that's not insurmountable. Like you a can, lot though. They're five from the 10 seed? It's a lot. Yeah. But you could still make the 10. You win two games and you're in. Hmm. And then look at some of these other teams. uh, Like, oh, you're saying,
1: oh, you're, you said that wrong. Five games out of the eight seed, but they're right there at the, they're at the 11 seed. So they're not that far. Oh, no, they're five losses back. Holy crap. They're five
0: losses back of Memphis at 20, at at 17. Wow. Yeah. They're they're going to be sellers. They're going to be sellers. I don't know. Somebody's going to get Lonzo and be happy. Here's the thing every time that we've thought that they go on a run Mm. because like the trade, the, 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 the hot stove, quote unquote, back in, late January was like supernova about the, about the palace. It was like, they're going to make a move any day. And then they, they went on a winning streak and it was like, oh, maybe we can get this together. Zion started playing really great. And then they fell off
1: again. Harrison Barnes and Aaron Gordon are like the two names that I feel like could be impact players, but they're both. I think cost more than what their risk is worth. Meaning both of them, neither one of them could, it could be that neither one of them work out. I, Aaron Gordon, especially as like, High upside, low floor kind of fit at this point of his career, Um but they just would cost a lot. You can't get them for cheap, so I, I don't know. Those are the only two players that I, ke- I hear that seems somewhat rational, but I don't, I don't see either one happening.
0: And like, are those the, are those the, the players that are costing three first? <laughs> um, we will not comment on what players ooh, are.
1: Okay, first. Um, three
0: first. You know, it's a shame. I think the Spurs were there's a lot of like the spurs are shopping aldridge right but right. they're probably not going to find a deal and he'll probably just get bought out and he may try to rejoin portland there's yeah. a lot of like noise about that um yeah i don't think this is going to be a very exciting trade deadline i think it's yeah. going to be i think it's going to be pretty quiet teams will figure out what they're going to do in the in the summer i think it's also i talked to a team somebody from a team that's well under like not going to make the playoffs and they were just basically like how do you how do you assess this year though like we know that we're not where we need to be but how, how far are we like you just can't tell because of the schedule and the COVID stuff and everything it's just it's a mess so yeah. uh do not this is your warning to not get your hopes up that bradley beal will be a denver nugget the day after the trade deadline that is yeah, that's not, yeah,
1: that's not, not
0: a thing so all right let's get wrap it up for locked on nuggets thanks for joining us we'll be back on monday with another episode let's get you started off on your week right shrug this loss off they're gonna be fine everything is gonna be fine heading towards brighter days i don't mean anything else